Hello and thanks very much for tuning into this week's episode of Huddled and Stout. We are through eight weeks uh, of regular season action and we are fastly, fastly flying through the regular season as we know it. But delighted to be joined as always by Rocky. How are you, sir? Doing all right, pal. Doing okay. Yeah. Um, now that we pause. have. Now that we have the 17th game in the regular season, we're just under halfway. Um, about yeah. halfway through the upcoming week, we'll be halfway through the regular season, and it is flying. Flying it. Flying through. Flying through. Well, look, a lot to get through this week. Um, but as per usual, around the ground, followed by Fort and Goal, and then our Wobio Week 9 previews. Um, it was a great week, which, yeah. by the way. Without much further ado... It was what? a great week. Week 8. Pardon? Yeah. Very... Some uh, wacky results. Some... few shock results. Yeah. Some... Everything you need in a good week, yeah. I think. Absolutely. So fair. So the stat to kick us all off, and you probably thought my stat would be a biased stat about a different wide receiver, but... Tyreek Hill has already eclipsed a thousand yards just eight games in. That makes him the first NFL player to ever do that. Uh, I think we have two definitive uh, wide receivers running away with the show currently. Um, obviously AJ Brown being the second. Uh, it's it's going to be a fascinating watch as we kind of close in and, and look to clinch playoff berths and stuff like that for both sides I think it's going to be fascinating to see who is the definitive number one wide receiver in the league when this is all said and done at the end of the regular season yeah it's kind of hard you know kind of the two receivers are sort of paving the way in the two different metrics or streaks obviously Tyreek had that you know facet to a thousand yards and AJ Brown is the most consecutive games of 125 or more yards beating Megatron this past week mm. so yeah the mm. two lads are they're having a great year they're having a ball and but uh, without much further ado I will run you through quickly the week 8 results uh, obviously we've ch- switched recording night uh, to Mondays so we won't know the score of the Raiders Lions fixture this evening um, but to run you through, Bills overcame the Bucks 24-18 on Thursday night. Panthers overcame the Texans 15-13. and Cowboys blitzed the Rams 43 points to 20. That 20 kind of put a bit of respectability in the score, but they blew them out early. The Vikings, in a costly victory, overcame the Packers 24 points to 10. Saints overcame the Colts 38 points to 27. The Dolphins overcame the Patriots 31 points to 17. Little, little bonus stuff here. Tua Tungavailoa has become the first quarterback in the history of the NFL to beat Bill Belichick six times consecutively to open the doors of his career. Perfecto. Um Jets and Giants after our overtime was 13-10 in favour of the Jets. Jags overcame the Steelers 20 points to 10. The Titans overcame the Falcons 28 points to 23. Probably the game of the round, and biased Eagles overcame the Commanders 38 points to 31. Seahawks overcame the Browns 24 points to 20. The Ravens uh, dismantled the Cardinals 31 points to 24. Shock of the round, the Broncos ended the losing streak dating back to 2015. Overcame the Chiefs 24 points to 9. Bengals dispatched the 49ers 31 points to 17. And just last night, the Chargers overcame the Bears. 30 points to 13. Um, so that's kind of around the ground. And then that segues us nicely to fourth and goal. And always cognizant when the running order goes this way, I, I speak too much too soon. But it is me to lead off this week. So without much... The listeners love it. Yeah, I don't know about that now. I don't know about that now. But anyway... And the status off. Burrow finished last night's game against the 49ers with just four incompletions against the once vaunted 49ers defense. And as a unit, 
they've allowed 852 combined yards in their last two losses against obviously the Vikings and the Bengals. But instead of heaping the blame on Brock Purdy, who seems to be getting canonized in, in, the, in the media, is the 49ers defense potentially a cause of blame here considering they aren't as effective injury-wise? Um, I think yes. I, I don't think solely. I would push back and I would say there's a little bit of it going on uh, with Brock Purdy. He deserves some of the blame, but I think we touched upon this a couple of weeks ago, if not last week. We talked about Nick Bosa signing that you know, record-setting deal for DNs and has he had one sack last night um very little production throughout the year good you know sort of some of the advanced um metrics you know pass rush win rate or success rate um pressures hurries that's all okay um and i'm not saying sacks are the be all and end all but um i think if you were even to ask uh, 49ers fans they they would say he's had a well, he's not lived up to expectations. Yeah. Um, their secondary is getting is getting torched as well, as you said. I think two weeks ago, or yeah, not the week, not the weekend just gone by, but we, I said that uh, Minnesota played their game perfectly, and Kirk Cousins lit them up. He obviously did so, but maybe it's more, you know, a, a bit of an indictment on the 49ers defense. You know, Javarius Ward. Um, they're kind of having a bit of a, a relapse. And maybe it's on Scheme and Steve Wilkes. But they, they certainly have regressed. Yeah. Yeah, it just uh, as a as a team, they just seem to have fallen flat on their face, obviously, in the last three weeks. And I'm just... Is there is there a, potentially a larger issue at play here? It's just, like, this defense has been... Consistently, you would say it's in the top three defences annually and it, it's it's not playing like it. Now look, it's it's Joe Burrow who I have higher raps on it so I'd be hypocritical to say it in contraire but he was surgical in how he kind of destroyed them on, on Sunday night and so, staying destroyed it's not an exaggeration. No, if but if you were to look at let's <clears throat> say if you went back to the Browns um, maybe you'd want to make an excuse for Purdy because the, the Browns' defense was maybe top of the league at that point. Um, but even still, as you say, their defense let PJ Walker take the game from them. Very little excuse for that to happen because the Browns' offense wasn't doing much up to that point. Then, obviously, Minnesota picked them apart. Um, I think some of their struggles come from Brock Purdy and you'll probably hear this from all the talking heads in the in the, the NFL, but in the fourth quarter, when he's chasing the lead, you know, he's perfectly fine playing the system, but when the pressure is on him to make a play, to put his team back mm. on front, and for him to carry his team, he hasn't shown he's been able to deliver the goods there. Uh, he can, you know, he can shoulder the load, when his team is functioning 100% around him, but when he needs to be 110% to carry his team, he's just not been able to deliver. So I think that's, that's I don't know, maybe not half of the, the 49ers' woes. Um, I'm like, if that's the case, you know, maybe you want to put some blame on, on Kyle Shanahan. You know, he, he mm. sort of developed this system so that the quarterback doesn't have to make any decisions or doesn't have to... You know, it's not on the quarterback, it's on the personnel around him. And when that goes all right, he has no answers. Fair. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting one to watch. Um, like, is it just kind of a mid-season slump? Or is there a larger issue in San Fran, given how much they've invested in that roster? But look, the, the time did go. Mm. I think it's time to give you, give you the mic. Thanks, pal. Uh, we're going to go over to what might have aged a lot of a lot of people if they bothered staying for the or watching the whole game. The misery bowl, it's been dubbed. The Jets held the Giants to nine to minus nine passing yards, and they still only won by three points in overtime. 
So what I'm going to do here is have a quick look at their schedules and see what we think, what, where they'll be at the end of the season. Now you have to bear with me because I didn't actually do prep and I don't have their, their schedules up. You're fine. Uh, let me distract the fan base with a joke. Do you want to know how bad that game was? I only watched the YouTube highlights and I, it still had me pulling my hair out. Um, yeah, that doesn't really work with the content. I don't think the listeners get that lands. The listeners. No. They have no concept of what's going on. Okay, keep them in the dark. Um, yeah, it was an is a brutal. I suppose we obviously may as well give a bit of context in that uh, Daniel Jones still has that lingering neck injury. Tyrod Taylor, I think, exited the game. He was taken to a local hospital with um, ribs being the issue. Yeah, with with a bruised or damaged rib cage, um, which isn't uh, ideal. And then obviously we saw Tommy DeVito come in and well, maybe play as well as you'd expect a third string quarterback to play against you know the Jets defense. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Um. Okay, so. Well, who am I looking at? The Giants have four more games until their bye, so quite a late bye for them. Their next four games are the Raiders, Dallas, Washington, and New England. How many games do you think they win at that four? Maybe New England. Is that, so, is that the is that the Giants or the this Jets? This is the Giants. Sorry, schedule. Sorry, Giants. Giants. Uh... They could beat the Raiders. The Raiders aren't, aren't fantastic. But that's a coin toss for me of a fixture. They won't beat the Cowboys. Did you say the Commanders were on that list? Yeah, uh, right? the Commanders and then the Patriots. I, I think one to two games. Those one to two games are the Patriots and um the Raiders. But they're both coin toss fixtures, so they could easily lose. Yeah, it. but just bear in mind as well. We might be getting Tommy DeVito starting all of these games. Um, I, To be honest, mm. I think if you're the Giants, obviously you're not happy with how Daniel Jones has played this season. But I don't think you roll with him and risk damaging you know, your investment for the sake of it because you're not happy with the, the product. If I mm. think... Um, his neck injury, the reports are saying that uh, his left side is considerably weaker than it, it, it normally is. So um, if if I were the Giants brass, I do think I'd be sitting him out for an extended period. And it, Tyrod Taylor might be done for the mm-hmm. season. So I think they might be lucky to win one of these games, one of those four games. Uh, then they have their bye week mm-hmm. and they have five more five more games after that. Uh, I'll just say the team name. You tell me if it's a win or loss. Green Bay. Oh, it could be a win. Green Bay, look. Putrid. Saints. It's a loss. Philly. Loss. Rams. Yeah, that's a loss. And Philly again. One would assume a loss. So we're probably looking at them winning one to two fixtures more for the rest of the season. Yeah, which I heard the buzzer ludicrous. going, so we'll, maybe we'll talk about the Jets again next week. But um, really, this this season has been nightmare yeah, look, after nightmare for Giants fans. Yeah. Well, let's park the Giants for the time being because the Jets are still in playoff contention. Yeah. Um, I think Tuesday could, could tell an awful lot. Um they're arguably a quarterback away. There's probably one who we're going to get to shortly whose time up, time could be up uh, in Tennessee. I, I wonder, is it worth making a play? It, for someone who, best case in it, is, is a fill-in for Aaron uh, until he's due back. We still don't know when he'd be due back. Or... Worst case scenario, he's just covering you for this year, um, because they could make the playoffs, and once you make the playoffs, you make the playoffs. So, um, yep, 
that's the only thing I would push back there me. is and we will talk about it later on I think is that there is going to be a new team looking for a quarterback in, over the next day or so mm, I think potentially debatable but uh, alright yeah. well, I'll say I think we've we, we, we've uh, we've teased them enough um, I think let's get on to the next question Um Look, so this was segueing nicely from what we just discussed. It look, it's always far too soon or too impulsive to make any sort of a bold proclamation after a single game. But one start into Will Levis's career in Tennessee, it's hard not to think that the Titans may have found the next quarterback. For reference, last night he threw for four touchdowns, which doubles. Uh, Ryan Tannehill's season record so far. Um, I thought, from what I've seen, um, had all the attributes. Obviously, he's a big arm. Didn't have any giveaways, I don't recall. And had one or two decent carries when he needed to, to kind of escape kind of a, a collapsing pocket. Not that he's a scrambling quarterback, but he has that mobility that he can do it and he for the first time since he went there D-Hop looked like D-Hop yeah absolutely so what say you um, what I would say is it was undoubtedly a great great game by Will Levis who you know at one point was in conversation for being the number one pick you know people might say that's outrageous mm-hmm. but at one point, he was the favourite on, on bookies. Um, now, whether you want to say it's a Mac Jones level of smoke and mirrors, and it, it sort of turned out to be, um, he ended up dropping to the second round. But uh, undoubtedly a great game. But I I need to see more just to say that he's the sure thing. We've yeah. seen great, great debuts from the, like of, the likes of Mike White, um, Nick Mullen, um, Jalen Hurts for example now I know Jalen Hurts went on to be pretty good but he mightn't have if he didn't take that jump from year 1 to 2 and 2 to 3 you know we've yeah. seen plenty of great debuts that do flame out uh, I don't want to rain on Tennessee's parade yeah. because it, it does look he did look really really quite good Um, but yeah yeah, for me, it's a bit of a holding pattern on him. Um, though I would certainly be excited. Yeah, no more more than um, kind of happy with that answer. And and look, I obviously did try and to preface it uh, in the question start, but I just think he looked pro ready, um, a lot more than Malik Lewis has looked in his two two years. In Tennessee. Yeah, sure. He played. Um, he played on um, on Sunday, and mm. it was you know, black and white, and that's. I don't mean that literally, which it was literally. I mean just, it was night and day, between the two lads. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, it's 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 an interesting time. What I would say is, if he is. At least league average and has a career in the NFL. We might retrospectively be looking at one of the best quarterback draft classes. Certainly in recent memory. Um CJ Stroud. I know obviously didn't he didn't win last night, but he's looked exceptional. Mm-hmm. Um Richardson's looked every bit kind of number one um a first round draft pick, rather. And then you will have his new ones up. Um, and obviously, I think Bryce Young, obviously, yeah. and I think you, you you have to wait a number of years before you can truly judge them. Uh, and at that stage, we mm. might see Bryce develop or at least get some help around him. But um, it yeah, it could absolutely shape up. Particularly when you look at the twenty twenties um, draft class with uh, Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. You know, after year one. Neither looked good after year two. Zach or uh, Trevor Lawrence was improving, and Zach Wilson, you know, he hasn't looked tenable until this year. Um, obviously Trey Lance has 
just completely flamed out. But you know, you you can't draft or judge draft class until probably three or four years after it. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Justin Fields obviously would have been in that twenty twenty draft class as well. Um, fair. Um, yeah. Well, did go. Uh, moving on, and we're gonna just talk about Thursday night football, which was the Bills against the Bucks. Were the Bills scraped by? Well, it was an eight point margin they won by. Um, but the the Bucks. Did sort of challenge them towards the end. They were driving for their uh, tying touchdown, but was this a case of you know the bumpy quality of play we've kind of come to expect with the Bills, um, or were the Bucks? Are they scrappy? Are they good enough to keep it close? Two good teams. I mean, we saw them. I wouldn't say they. You know, they kept it close with Philly. Um, I think they they were thumped by the Lions, but every team has has mm. one of those weeks. And I think they've been pretty scrappy throughout the season, manifesting their Baker Mayfield. To answer your question, I, I <laughs> to answer your question, I think two things can be true. I think Thursday night football. It, firstly, Thursday night football is always a minefield for bizarre results. Um, it's just players don't really like it. It kind of just really disrupts their week and their pattern. Um, obviously they're on kind of shorter recovery than standard. Um, coming from the Sunday night game, and I think the did the Bills play in the late late window last weekend as well? Did they play Sunday night football? Could be wrong there. Could be wrong. Can't remember. Um, I'll look it up. But yeah, look. They, I think Josh Allen had a great game. Um, and when Buffalo struggle, it's typically because Josh Allen has kind of played hero ball almost. Um, and kind of led to a few er- errors. But I do think that the Bucks are scrappy. Um, I think solid defense. Everyone always talks about Baker Mayfield. And as much negatives as you can throw at the guy, he just seems to be a colossally good teammate. Um, and I think he's kind of he's a good locker room culture piece um, and I think look maybe they're, they're kind of aware of what they are um, but willing to give it a crack every weekend and yeah I think the books are scrappy they're scrappy I like yeah I, again I, we mentioned it last week um, about the Bills injuries um, you know dating back to just the start of this month, Trey White is on injured reserve, Matt Milano, Daquan Jones, Damian Harris and Dawson Knox all on injured reserve. Um, I think even if they were all to to become healthy, I don't know the I know there's a Trey White tore his Achilles, so there's no danger of him coming back, but they might actually run out of reactivations. They can't even bring all of these these people back mm-hmm. if they were to get healthy. Um, so it's sort of a tough showing in, on that front uh, I did read just there and it's it's only happened in the last 30 minutes or so I guess you could say we're reporting this uh, Lenny Fournette playoff Lenny signing with the Bills to, to compliment James Cook who I will apologise I didn't like him earlier on in the year but he does look good now um, mm. and Lenny is maybe might be a good Thunder and lightning compliment to, to James Cook. Yeah. Um, fair. Um, I don't know if he solves their issues, but... No. He, yeah. yeah. He was good in playoff... Oh, sorry, in um, Tom's first year there. Is that 2020 or 2019? Super, yeah. yeah, yeah. But he, they did sport the worst rushing attack the year after so we shall see yeah it's hard, it's hard to the know the builds weren't on the late slot by the way sorry, that even, or the, the week before I think it's just a little bit of that bumpiness um, we'll hmm. see combination yeah. of two I think fair um, yeah well look speaking of kind of scrappy performances 
Following the upset of Kansas, we now have four AFC teams sitting at six and two. We know um, what Kansas can do. Um, what are the three remaining six and two sides? Bearing in mind that none of the starting quarterbacks there have Super Bowl hardware. Who is the more dangerous heir to the throne? Obviously Miami, Baltimore and Jacksonville there. So of those teams, who's the most likely to be the AFC representative in the Super Bowl if it's not to be Kansas? If I were to pick a team as a fan of the Eagles, I wouldn't want to play in the Super Bowl right now. It would probably be Baltimore. Um. I think they're a little bit off a mirror image to the Eagles in that they can play good defense, they can play good offense, you know, they can run when they need to, they've been able to pass when they need to. Um, you know, they're I think they're if they're not anymore, they were top of the league in sacks. Um and Lamar Jackson, I think okay. if he isn't, I'll look this one up too. But he has to be up there for um, MVP odds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He has to be. I I would say this year is arguably better than the season he won the MVP. In fact, he is. Oh, he's actually fourth a... in um, MVP odds. He's behind Patrick Mahomes, Tua, Jalen Hurts, and and then there he is at four, which I think it's a good punt on him. I think he's been strange. I think he's been yeah excellent for his team. Um, if we're, if we're brutally honest, he's Jalen Hurts is not the caliber he was. No, last I, year. I think he's hurt. Obviously, yeah, he's. I fully agree with you. I don't think he has any business being there. I I think he's been excellent, but to me, it's his turnovers. Anyway, we're not t- talking about him. Um, Jacksonville, I do think, is a scary team. Um, I think their defense is is good. I think T Law is he's getting consistently good. Um, I think we're seeing mm. Calvin Ridley sort of start to, to grow into that wide receiver one mould as well as all the pieces Christian Kirk Evan Ingram is he's been what the Giants have Travis wanted Travis Etienne to be. is huge for me in Jacksonville yeah. um, things yeah. are clicking there too I'm not trying to diminish the Jags I think they are a really good team um, Miami I don't know what it is. I, I still think they're an excellent team and it might be a biased reason in that the, the Eagles beat them. That I, I wouldn't have them as number one. I still think they're excellent. I think the defense is good. I think particularly now with Jalen Ramsey back, they they look... Yeah, but they're... For me, anyway, the, the, the soft underbelly of the Miami Dolphins is their soft underbelly. Well said. I don't fancy them to tough it out in kind of cold climates. And they'll have to go through, you would imagine, right, Jacksonville is a nice warm spot. But if they have to go to Baltimore, if they have to go to Kansas, they're, they're kind of typically cold spots. Um, you can see them getting turned over. You could actually see them getting turned over in Newark if they have to go through the Jets. Um in January time, that defense is no joke. Um, depending who's on their center, I, I could, I would, I would nearly put. If I was to rank them, it would be Kansas, Baltimore, Jacksonville, and Miami, which I'm pretty sure is not many miles from where, away from where you are. Yeah, yeah, I, I would have Kansas on top still, um, even after that mysterious loss to the to the Broncos but um, I think he was dealing with the sickness we'll see what he looks like when he's back healthy um, and I also think that uh, we'll see the, the Chiefs devote a bit some more resources to the receiver position instead of just riding out whatever they have but anyway that's another conversation for another day um, so Fair. I'm here now to ask you, what the hell are the Cowboys? They're arguably even more up and down than the Buffalo Bills. Um, now, they're playing Philly this week. 
And will the team that wins this week claim the number one seed in the NFC? I should say that this is in Philly, this first matchup between the two of them. So it's a big game. If they were to walk away from this with a win, they'd be in the driving seat. They would, uh, they'd have the number one seed um, based on that tiebreaker they have. Obviously, just the head-to-head one game through. Yeah, look, I I, I agree they're up and down. Um, not to say that this match on Sunday doesn't, doesn't matter. It is going to be hugely crucial deciding that. I just think we always seem to split with the Cowboys. Um regardless of who the dominant side is in the NFC East. Um, over the last few years, it's been one of us, pretty much. Um, Bar that year, year where the Commanders won the NFC East with a losing record. But I think, and look, this is biased, but I don't see us dropping games that were not just the, like the second best team on the park on that night. I see the Cowboys blowing games a la the Cardinals um, down the stretch. I think that like they obviously have the ability to put sides to the sword like they did to the Rams um, at the weekend, but they can frustrate you. The Cowboys like I would say they're more infuriating than the Bills to support because of the media circus they bring with them. Bearing in mind there is there is hot and cold flashy um as anyone else in the league. But that's what to answer your question. I personally don't believe this fixture is gonna decide Okay. The NFC East, let alone the number one seed. Just when when the, the Cowboys the are NFC. you know, positive, they're dominating teams. And when they're down, they are yeah, losing to, you know, the likes of the Cardinals or getting getting their backs blown out by the 49ers. Um, <laughs> yeah, somewhat akin, I think, to the Dolphins. They're a bit kind of bully boy ball. Yeah. Um, which I think is fair to say. Like, the Rams had an off night, don't get me wrong. And there's all this kind of talk of well, Sean McVay had his his first child. His first child. Um, I think his first child during the week. So there's a, like you look at the teams they've faced. Um, Giants and Jets victories, lost to the Cardinals, beat the Patriots. Lost to the 49ers and beat the Chargers and the Rams. It's not the most daunting schedule. You look at their remaining fixtures. It's 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 an easy run in too, I suppose. Um, they face us, Giants, Panthers, Commanders, Seahawks, who are tricky. They then face us again, followed by the Bills, the Dolphins, the Lions, and finishing the Commanders. I think they're going to drop some in that kind of four-game stretch. The Seahawks, ourselves, uh, Bills. Sorry, those five games just before the penultimate game. I think they're going to drop a few games there. So, yeah. I know we have a brutal month of November, but I think I still back the Eagles to find a way to maybe not finish number one in the NFC, but I think top the division. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. What a rant. What a rant to get nowhere. A bit of a tirade took you around the houses like you're due um, one look you'd be delighted to, you'd be delighted to know that this is my final point for the evening um, I suppose big injury news um, at the weekend and it's still not fully confirmed but it's suspected that, that Kirk Cousin uh, tore his Achilles uh, on the weekend so he is likely if that's true going to miss the remainder of this season and uh, which, look, to be fair, it's disappointing as they kind of seem to turn a corner in recent weeks. But will the kind of loss of Kirk Cousins, 
will it start the seemingly inevitable rebuild in Minnesota, especially considering we're just a few days away from trade deadline day, which is Tuesday. tomorrow, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's tomorrow at 9 p.m. for us here in the UK. Uh, the UK time. Irish standard time. Yeah, I don't know what happened to me there. Uh, the raw heads will be out after me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to be protest outside the studio. Yeah. Men in balaclavas and Easter lilies. Um, for. Yeah, I suppose like we kind of. Touched on at the start of the season when they were struggling and kind of weren't too high on them going into the season. And I think everyone's in acknowledgement that Kirk Cousins is going to have you as kind of stuck in this situation where you're in the playoffs every year, but you're unlikely to, to win many games in the playoffs still. So is it time to start the rebuild now? I think it almost forces their hand, you know, Like, you don't know if... Well, first of all, he never gets injured. So you don't know how he's going to, to sort of respond to this injury, you know, or what he looks like. He doesn't have any track record of recovering well from an injury. Um, so I think it would be very risky off um, the Minnesota front office, Quasi there, um, to, to just hope for the best with his recovery. I think we're likely to see Minnesota maybe not embrace a full rebuild, but probably do you know something to you know we've seen it several times in recent years, kind of a reload rather than a rebuild. They'll draft they'll, hmm. they'll draft with a focus on the important positions. Um, like we've seen them do it before, we've we've seen them draft Kellen Mond, which didn't stick. I think they'll keep keep hitting at this um, and try and hit on a, on a quarterback in the later rounds. Um, they won't... I don't think they'll have the ammunition nor the draft placement to compete for one of the top quarterbacks. Um, but I think, if I'm not mistaken, there it's a strong-looking quarterback draft class coming up. Obviously, Caleb Wilson, um, Williams... Sorry, uh, Drake May, the top Queen. two. Then you've got like Quinn Ewers, Shador Sanders. Um, uh, there's there's another two or three names that you could mention for first or round one or round two quarterbacks. Um, so I think it's it's a foregone conclusion that they will draft a quarterback. Um, mm. It's it's a tough it's a tough break for Minnesota. I think everybody penned them for sellers at this deadline and I think if Kirk had survived this game you know they'd probably be feeling pretty decent sitting at 4-4 four and four. but now they're at 4-4 four and four without a quarterback they're almost forced into to trying to, to sell off everything they have rather than scrape as far as they can it's a tough position they're in Um, fair. Um, my last point now. I've got my own. Uh, Kenny Pickett left the game with a rib injury, and he was succeeded there by Mitch Trubisky. Not succeeded in the literal sense, but he came in in relief. How will Kenny Pickett's absence affect his team? Um, I don't think Kenny Pickett has been stellar um, this year, but he's been great for a qu- fourth quarter drive. And I think he's probably is the reason, along with you know his defense, for for them sitting at four and three now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, it just beggars belief. Someone once thought Mitch Trubisky would be the signing of the off season. I mean, that was episode one. Yep. Um, A bad look for those. Yeah. Look, Mitch Trubisky showed us on Sunday that he's a backup quarterback. Uh, that's his ceiling, uh, which is good because that's where he is. I think Kenny Pickett whoa, whoa, is, is a huge loss. MVP Mitch Trubisky here. Get slimed on, boy. MVP, yeah. 
first ever MVP. But yeah, no, he is he's he's a backup quarterback, which is what we know. Um how is Kenny Pickett's absence gonna affect the team? I think look, you know how highly I rate Mike Tomlin. Pretty high. I think obviously it's not a good place to be, but I think the scheme this week, knowing Kenny Pickett's not going to be involved, be a lot better than what the scheme would have been on Sunday when Mitch Trubisky had to jump in. Uh, Pickett and Pickens is a, oh, it's a... It's a gorgeous combination. Pickens is a freak. I don't know if you've seen the play on the weekend where he jumped over the two defenders um, to score. I think he's... He's exceptional. Um, he's he's got the the moxie of a of a franchise quarterback. I just don't know if he has the everything else. Yeah. Um, he's, um, I, I yeah I just to avoid confusion. I was on about Pickens. Oh, Pickens. Pickett. Yeah, no, Pickens is. Yeah. Yeah, Pickens is is exceptional. Um. I think he definitely would have been picked in the first round. I think some peripheral concerns about his personality and that type of thing caused him to drop, but he's he is something else. And as you say, Pickett to Pickens mm. is a a generational sort of tagline um combo. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think um the reports are that Pickett's injury is is ribs. And unfortunately, as as we're recording the day after the Sunday slate, there's not much more information out there. Um, but we could be looking at a an extended absence for the team. Um, Look, I think regardless of who's under centre, I think that the Steelers will find a way to finish the season circa 500. Um, will that be good to make the playoffs this year? I don't think so. Especially not the AFC side of the draw, which no. is we talked about the four, six, and two side. It's just stacked this year. Um, their division alone is l- like there's at least two other. I I would say nearly playoff bound teams in it. it certainly, um, probably at least two. Yeah, with a potential for a third very soon if they continue the way they're yep. going. Um. But yeah, uh, it's difficult. Um, yeah, yeah. Like for me, what's the ceiling? Finish the season in around five hundred. Sorry, what's the floor? Finish the season in around five hundred. What's the ceiling? Make the playoffs and get bounced in the first round. Yeah, it's fair enough. I think um, I probably have the floor and the ceiling a little bit tighter. I think you know the floor is they don't get their 500 season and they go 8 and 9 and their ceiling might be 9 and 8 and they hit that I think it's it's just a, it's very much around there yeah um, yeah look I, th- there's not a huge amount of difference in where we sit no this. no not really um, to be no. fair um, but yeah look that concludes this week's Fort and Goal we are going to briefly fly through the uh, a, a smaller slate this weekend. There's only 14 games this weekend. Last side's going to buy. going to buy Mageddon if you're a fantasy footballer. But to kick things off, it's two sides we've discussed. It's the Titans and the Steelers. Thursday night football. you got to imagine, it, given the short turnaround, Kenny Pickett's not going to be involved. And we're probably going to see some more Will Levis. Um so as Thursday night fixtures go, it's going to be a very intriguing fixture. For me, it's what Titans side shows up. Uh, like, Will Levis' performance was brilliant. Uh, it was a good victory, but it was a good victory against a Desmond Ridderless Falcons. Um, and Desmond Ridder is not a massive positive. Um, so for me, I would be saying, yeah, Titans, but it's a stretch. I can see it going either way. Um, yes. Steelers is three-point favourites here. I think I too would take the, the Titans at plus three here. Um, 
I know I cautioned about Will Levis earlier on, but I don't know. I'll take the upside of Will Levis versus the known quantity of Trubisky. Yeah, fair. Um, the next game is the Dolphins at the Chiefs. I say at the Chiefs. It's on a neutral field in Frankfurt. Um, the Spreugen Sie Deutsch. Yep, he said it. Uh, the Chiefs open as two and a half point favorites. This could be a nice high scoring affair. The total points is uh, fifty and a half. It's a tough one. I I want to take the Chiefs, but uh, I just their their wide receiver room is just it's a bit weak beyond Travis Kelsey, um, and Justin Watkins. I'm gonna. Probably take the Dolphins here. I'm leaning Dolphins too, to yeah. be fair. Um, I just think the travel alone, it's a horrible spot for the Chiefs who look clunky on the weekend. Um, to only put up nine points against the Broncos. Uh, there's some, some some slight issues that I know will come right, but there's still some slight issues at present. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm backing the Dolphins for this one I'm, too. I'm, and I'm I'm not trying to to overreact now to the the Broncos game. I just think the Dolphins can score, and they've got Jalen Ramsey back. Um, I think they'll be really mm. geared up for this game, um, more so than the Chiefs. I think. Yeah. And look, the the Dolphins got to be one of the best attenders at the international game so they're well used to the travel um, as an organisation so I think that that's going to stand to their stead too next up Vikings and Falcons uh, key issue here is obviously we have no idea who's who's going to be on their centre either side of the, the ballpark I think Desmond Ritter left with a concussion I don't know if he'll pass protocols so it's very hard to predict a winner for this I think in that instance where we don't know who the quarterback is, you lean who you think is the most talented, skilled position players, and for me, it's the Falcons. With Jay Jetta still out. Yeah, um, yeah, it's kind of tough to argue against that. Um, like the Falcons' defense is good, as you say, great skilled position players. The Vikings do have Jordan Addison, who's kind of stepped up, but. Um, quarterback situation is is uncertain in both cases it'll probably be taylor heineke maybe versus jaron hall for the vikings um unless obviously they trade for somebody it's not a very exciting but you gotta go with i think the falcons here Hmm. i like me some heineke yeah me too he's i i hated him in the nfc east but he was certainly scrappy, scrappy. most of the time um the next game is the Seahawks versus the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens are five and a half point favorites. This is a good game. Um, I think you said earlier on that the Seahawks are tricky. I just think they're probably the third best team of the NFC. Um, I think I probably Behind give you. the edge to the Ravens. I'd probably take the the Seahawks plus the points though. I don't think it's it's that wide. Yeah, look. We bring it up a few times, we say styles make fights, and stylistically this is just a really intriguing matchup. Um I probably give it to the Ravens just for home field advantage, but like you I'd be the points is a huge concern for me. Um yeah, it's a really yeah. tough one. But I'll take the the Hawks. Yeah. Um Next up, Cardinals, Browns. I think we we can kind of predict this one. Look, obviously, Browns lost to the Seahawks on the weekend. They'll be disappointed in the organization about that. It's not the most disappointing of results, uh, especially how highly we view the Seahawks. The Cardinals haven't won one now for a considerable amount of time. And they're scrappy. But I think Cleveland will be victorious in this one. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna take the uh, the uh, Browns there. Not much to say. Uh, the next game as well. I won't spend too long on it. Rams are three point favorites in Green Bay. 
I don't know what happened to the Rams last week, but I'm not going to overreact to it. I think they're a better team than the Packers. Um, Three-point underdogs. I think Matt Stafford might have hurt himself during the game. So, yeah, yeah Tom. I think he got trapped in Tom. somebody's helmet. They were injured. So, um, I still think I would probably take the Rams. Yeah, I, I kind of think Jordan Love is struggling. Um, I haven't been quite high on him after, I think, week two. He's just struggling yeah. big time. He just looks like someone's lost all his confidence, which, given the time investment, that's got to be disappointing for the Packers organization. Um, next up, two, three, and four sides. The Buccaneers against the Texans. You know, this this could low-key be... It could be a good game. could be the yeah. game with the early slate. Um, I'm going to back the Texans on this. I just really like what they're doing. Um, but as I've mentioned earlier on, important, important goal. Uh, Buccaneers are scrappy. Um, so this could be a good good game. I'm going to lean Texans. Um, yeah, Texans are two and a half point favourites. I think I would lean... Uh, I think I'll side with the books here. I'm just gonna go with the experience over um over the young pups. But I do think it could be, as you say, low key, maybe one of the better games of the week and um the next game is the Commanders at the Patriots. The Patriots are three point favourites. I think everybody will look at Sam Howell last week and they will say, Jesus, he's some quarterback. But the Commanders versus the Eagles games are always they're weird anomalies. Not saying that Sam Howell isn't good. He certainly looked great, but um I just I I'm gonna be wagering quite a large sum of money that that's not what the what product they put out on the shelf next week. I'm gonna take the Patriots here. I'm gonna take the commanders. But that's more a reflection on how the Patriots have looked thus far and not a reflection of what the f- the commanders also are worth saying that when they um, play someone that's not the Philadelphia yeah. Eagles. Um, also worth saying that Kendrick Bourne, I think, has torn his ACL, so he's done for the Patriots. So they're already weak skilled position players have just taken another blow. Fair. Um, following on from that, the Bears at the Saints. Um, yeah. Bears looked limited enough yesterday evening. Um, it's just the field's going to be back. Not one isn't sure. Yeah, he could be. Uh, he should return to practice this week. I probably in Saints. I think they have enough skill position players, enough experience in Derek Carr, despite what you think of the bloke. Um, it's in New Orleans as well. Yeah, I just I, I'm leaning. Saints. Yeah, I'm on the Saints as well. Um, I just think the Bears are shocking. Shocking. Uh, the next game is the Indianapolis Colts versus the Carolina Panthers. The Carolina Panthers are two and a half point home underdogs. Um, I think I'm going to side with the Colts here. I, I don't think the, the, the Panthers played particularly well to pick up their first win. They did what they needed to do. Um, but I actually think the Texans played down to the competition. So I'm going to take yeah, yeah. I'm gonna take the, the Colts here. Yeah, fully, fully support your decision. Uh, and concur. Thank you, sir. Um, yeah, next up, uh, look, slide this game. Um, I'm not going to spend too much time on it. Giants Raiders said it was a coin flip earlier on. It's still a coin flip, but I'm going Raiders. But oh, miss this game, miss this game. Yeah, it's pretty filthy. I'll just side with the Raiders again. Yeah, no confidence in the young Devito. Um, the next game again, probably contender for one of the games of the weekend. Um, whether you're biased or unbiased, is the Cowboys at the Eagles. The Eagles are three-point favourites. 
Um, I think the Eagles will win. That's it. I'm not really yeah. interested in the spread on this one, unfortunately. Uh, I'm going to just take the Eagles here. I think it'll be very, very close. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dallas week. Yep. Um, yeah, look, I'm not going to say anything because you, you knew what the answer was there, regardless, anyone that listens to the show. Um, moving on, Sunday night football is a real interesting one for me. Obviously, we, we know Buffalo can fire hot and cold. And since he seems to be getting it back together, um, so very much is a fixture that could be maybe not an AFC Championship game, but but certainly close when it gets to playoff time. Um, so it's it's definitely worth staying up to watch, especially when you consider what was Sunday night football this week. Uh, I'm gonna back Cincy in this because they look real good for me on Sunday against the 49ers. Uh, Clinical against that much vaunted defense, and I think if Joe looks good again tonight, I'll consider he's back. I'll yeah, I'll believe him to be back and fully over the injury. So yeah, interesting one. To me, I think just the way he's been scrambling this week past compared to the first couple of weeks tells me if he's not one hundred percent back from his hammies, he's very close. Yeah, I'll take the Bengals here. Um, mm. I don't think. The Buffalo Bills are a bad team. They're just, as you say, streaky, firing hot and cold, and it's just impossible to predict when they'll turn up. I do, you know, expect them to turn up. Um, I think they play up or down to the competition, whoever they're playing against. Um, so I, I'll take the Bengals, but I, I do expect that the Bills will look good here. Yeah. And then Monday Night Football is the Chargers um, at the Jets. The Chargers are three-point favourites, road favourites. Um, full confession is I didn't watch the the Sunday Night Football, so kind of hard for me to pick um, the Chargers here. But I'm going to do it anyway because the Jets looked woeful. Um like I don't know how they did. You hold but... a team to minus nine passing yards in a game, and only win by a field goal in overtime. And I know games don't translate week to week. <laughs> Which is fair. Yeah, games don't translate week to week. But I'm going to take the Chargers here. I think they have a better team. Yeah, but there's also a reason why they're three and four. Um. Yeah, look, that's valid. I'd probably lean Chargers too, to be fair. I just think they're they're flawed on a coaching level and maybe fewer spots too. But yeah, I'll lean Yeah, but Chargers Robert too. Sala hasn't done anything to um, make me think fair. that's a coach. You know, that's the coach that I want coaching my team. For me, Sala is quite no, mid. But I know Brandon Staley is poor. But Stanley I know, I know. Is poor, yeah. That's what, like it's it, I'm not comparing my uh coaches, I'm just saying Stay yeah, Which, but you look, that concludes the week nine previews. Uh, when we when you hear from us next, we will be over the halfway mark. That's right. Haven't been just before the halfway mark, so look. Yeah. Um, Christmas. I don't is know coming. when this podcast is coming out, but Goose is getting tomorrow fast. potentially always has the potential of being the one one of the most exciting days in the NFL calendar, depending on what happens. That's actually quite deep because whenever they listen to this, tomorrow is a, is is always likely. To well, be <laughs> very the most exciting true. Day. Very true. It goes without saying. Wow. And on that note, that's, and all, that's from all from me. Thank you, and good night. He steps up. He's all by himself. Fires into the end zone. 
caught. Touchdown. No. No. The Cardinals have knocked the Vikings out of the playoffs.